Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact His kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. (laughs) All right, I want to check your celebration meter real quick. The Falcons are in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Not the toilet bowl. We in the Super Bowl, right? So some of you say, he's already yelling at us. No, no, I'm just excited, man. I know. Listen, it's a big, big deal. I'm so glad that you're with us on this day. I want to welcome both of our campuses, Noonan and LaGrange. For those of you worshiping with us at LaGrange, I want to say welcome. Those here at Noonan want to say welcome to you. Today is going to be through the roof. So last week, we finished a series called Making Change, which I thought was awesome. Great time of the year to talk about change that God wants us to make in our life. And, uh, you know, as, as a preacher, pastor, sometimes you face, say things from the stage and the moment they come out of your mouth, you go, that's probably a t-shirt, right? So last week I made a statement because we we're talking about how Jesus said, we're the city on a hill that can't be hidden. We're the light that the world is waiting to see. And, uh, and so I made this statement. I said, I just want to live lit. And, uh, and so somebody made me a t-shirt, <laughs> Matthew five fourteen. I just want to live lit. And if you're offended by that, we're speaking about grace today, okay? So glad you're here. Welcome to South Crest. <laughs> thought I'd say that. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're launching this new series called The Grace Card. The Grace Card. So some of you have heard that term. You say, why are we calling the series The Grace Card? Like, I've heard of the race card, right? The race card is this. When someone wants to bring a problem on a race relations issue, they say, well, she's just playing the race card or he's just playing the race card. But what I've learned is in the culture in America that we live in today, when it comes to grace, we do the same thing. Sometimes we do things. How many of y'all have ever done something stupid in your life? Okay, that's a testify right there, right? I got both hands up. I've done a lot of stupid things. You do something stupid in your life and you say something kind of like this. Hey man, show me some grace. And then you say, hey bro, I'm just playing the grace card, right? 
And it's kind of like that. And, and, and what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to unpack God's idea about grace. Because I want to say this. Maybe you're here and you're like, bro, a lot of people's lives have been ruined because of the grace card. Well, listen, I want to say this to you. There is no other card we can play. We need the grace card, right? We need it, and not for the reasons maybe that some of your friends have thrown it at you, like, oh, you can just throw out the grace card and God loves you the way they are. It's kind of like this. Every now and then I think about how people view grace, I kind of have that Britney Spears moment, right? Oops, I did it again. All right, I am not a Britney Spears impersonator. I just want to say that. But some of you go, that was funny right there. But that's the truth. When we talk about the grace card, we just say grace is there for my oops. And I want to say, if that's all that grace is, then God doesn't love us. God just tolerates us. And I don't know about you. The more I study about grace, it's like studying an ocean. You can't fill it all up. You can't figure it all out. You can't scoop it in one little deal and say, I figured it out because it's just such a mystery. And yet there's so much that God tells us in his word and so much that we can learn from scripture about this idea of grace. And so I want to say to you today, we're going to learn how to play the grace card. And here's why. It's the only card that we have. How many of you have ever played Uno with your children before and they pulled out the Uno card at the wrong time? Yeah. And you've got to go back and explain to your children, no, you can't play that now. You don't say it like that. Oh, dear honey, you can't play that now. The truth is this, if we don't understand God's grace, we will never know how to apply the grace card. And God's grace is everything in our life. Why are we talking about grace? How many people have asked me that? Why are we talking about this idea? I go away every May for a week and I just plan sermon series for the next 18 months. And I get along with the Lord, I open my journal, open my Bible and just say, God, where do you want us to go as a church? And last May I was away on my study trip and the Lord said, Sean, you're gonna do a series on grace. And I just said, Lord, in our culture, in our life, in our, and the Lord's just like, you're going to do a series on grace. And the Lord began to unpack it. In fact, it was about four hours later, I was literally in my Bible, reading my Bible, and the Lord said, and you're going to call it the grace card, because I want to help my people understand that's all the card they have, and it's all the card they need. So we're going to be talking about grace over the next couple of weeks. Why are we talking about grace? Have you seen our world lately? When the Lord told me to preach on this in May and then the fall happened with the election and everyone's ideas and thoughts and complaints, here's the thing that really hit me. Look at how unforgiving, offended, broken our culture has become. You see, grace is the source of everything in our life. If we don't understand the grace of God, we're gonna continue to live broken, offended and struggling lives. And so I think that God wants us to understand this idea of grace. How many people do you know who live with shame, condemnation? They're trying to be perfect and they never live up. They're trying to perform, but they can't ever outperform their past. This idea of grace, the idea that people feel rejected in their life. I meet people all the time. They say, man, I'm so wounded by what my father did. And they have a father wound in their life and they've never gotten past it. They keep looking for that father figure. And and we wonder why songs like Good, Good Father have resonated so much in the American church. Why? Because we don't understand grace. 
We say we understand it, but we don't really understand it. It's like playing the Uno card at the wrong time. So over the next four weeks, I think God's going to unpack some really cool things. Here's why we're talking about grace. Grace affects how I see God, see others, and see myself. The idea of grace affects how I see God. See, there's people in our culture that think God is waiting to flip the switch on this place and he's going to blow the joint up. When that last person sins one more time, God's going to flip the switch and it's going to be There's some people that think that. Their theology of God is built around destruction. And then think about how grace affects how I see others. You see, if you have a hard time loving people with no strings attached, it's probably because you don't understand grace from God's perspective. And it's not because their wounds are better than your wounds or their wounds are worse than your wounds. It's just that grace affects how I see others. And grace affects how you see yourself. The amount of people that are here at both of our campuses who are struggling deeply with depression, struggling deeply with things. We have more painkillers now in our society than we've ever had to try to code the pain of trying to relate to ourselves. Man, we need to know about grace. We need to know about grace. If you have your Bible, turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to unpack just a little bit as you're turning over there. What is grace? What is it? Some have said it's God's unmerited favor. Others have said it's God's divine enablement to live out the life he intended for us. So let me say it to you this way. What grace is, is God's unmerited favor. What grace does is divinely enable us to live the way we were created to live. But here's our struggle. We confuse mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. Some of the times when we say, hey, give me grace, what we're really hoping is someone will give us mercy. Let me give you an example. You're out here on I-85 and you're doing 107 miles an hour. You crazy, okay? You like everybody else, but you crazy. And you're going down the road and the police officer pulls you over and he says, hey, I have decided even though you are an idiot and you're doing 107, I'm not going to give you a ticket. Woo! That's mercy. Here's what grace is. The officer pulls up you around the window. He says, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm actually going to give you an escort to where you're going, and we're going to drive 120. You go, oh, that would never happen. See, here's the difference. Mercy is we don't get what we deserve. That's when someone has mercy on us. If you do something and there's consequences, you don't get what you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is when we get what we do not deserve. I don't deserve an escort at 120. I deserve to be locked up for driving 107. See, there's a difference. We get them confused. And so a lot of times we do things in our life and we go, oops, I shouldn't have done that. And we say, hey, show me grace. And we're really saying, show me mercy. When it comes to God, God wants to give us both. He's given us mercy, but he's also given us grace. So I want to define what grace is. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, and unearned favor of God. 
That's just a working definition over the next four weeks, okay? Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, and unearned favor of God. And let me say this. Apart from grace, God would never be able to favor us. He would just tolerate us. And some of you, your whole theology about God is that God is just tolerating me till one day I can get to heaven and then he's gonna make all the rights wrong. And I'm gonna tell you today, that's not grace. God's gonna set some of us free today. Ephesians chapter two. Paul is talking to the church And I love Paul's writings because Paul always has a purpose. It's like a letter to a church and he's explaining something. In Ephesians chapter one, he's unpacking our identity. And he says, this is who you are in Jesus. In fact, I wanna tell you this, as we talk about grace over the next four weeks, I'm not gonna talk to you about your actions. I'm gonna talk to you about your identity. You see, your actions are focused on your guilt. Your identity is who God destined you to be. God has a destiny for every single person and grace is the way he gets us to that destiny. It's only by grace. It's not by our works. And we're going to talk about that more today. Ephesians chapter two, Paul moves from talking about our identity and how rich we are in Jesus. And he says these words, Ephesians two, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Look at verse three. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now here's what Paul's saying to us. This is what our life is like apart from grace. Apart from the grace of God, our identity is missing something because this is what you and I, and and here's the thing I want to say, okay? There are some of us in this room, we continue to keep a scorecard by everything that we do in our life and say, God is going to love me more if I can get all this right. Listen, you and I are naturally bent. When I was four, no one taught me how to steal from the cookie jar, right? I figured it out real quick. I knew how to take all the Oreos, get the center out, put them back in, stick them in the drawer and say, hey brother, come have some Oreos and cheat him out of the feeling. Why? Because I'm a sinner. (laughs) You go, I know and you're weird. Yes, I am. But here's what Paul says. This is what every one of us were like apart from grace. I'm gonna bring this up. It's kind of odd to say this. Have y'all ever seen that moment on Oprah when she has the show, when she calls it her Oprah's favorite things? Yeah, you, some of you, I've never seen that. Yeah, you have. You flip it on and you're just kind of flipping by there and she says, hey, today is, and they don't ever tell the audience, right? They don't know what's coming. And they basically say this. They say, hey, today is Oprah's favorite things. And if you've seen the Oprah show, like she does that like every year, one day a year. And here's what she'll do. Today, everyone in the audience is getting a pound cake. And everyone's like, Okay, and then the next one's like, hey, today everyone's getting a diamond bracelet. And people are, people running around. Today everyone's getting a new cell phone. And people are like, I mean, the prizes just get larger and larger and larger. And by the end, people are like having a charismatic fit on the ground, foaming at the mouth going, Obra, Obra. Okay, I just want to set that up for you because this next verse is better than that. Verse four. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Are you kidding me? Sorry, Oprah. You ain't taking my celebration. Because here's the thought. God said you were once one way, but because of my grace, this is how you have become. You're alive with Christ, even though you were dead in your transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Look what he says in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Why is God extending his grace to us? Because you and I, through Christ, become trophies to this world that says, look at God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then look at verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Powerful words. When Paul said these words, he was basically saying to us, grace at its core is unmerited, undeserved, and unearned. So I want to unpack that for you today. Let's look at the first word, unmerited. Grace is unmerited. Have any Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts in the room? It's okay to admit that. (laughs) I sold cookies at Walmart. I'm so sorry. (laughs) As long as you sold Thin Mints. Okay. So here's the thought. I love Scouts. But we're taught that you earn something to get a what? A badge. Right? You got to go out and perform and, and you got you, you to somehow get a badge. In verse 8 and 9, Paul says these words. He says, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Here's why grace is unmerited. Because nobody, when they get to heaven, is going to be able to boast. You ever thought about that? When we walk into heaven and we see the nail-printed hands of Jesus, no one's going to be going... I earned this. I did this. Like, woo! That's why I laugh when people go, I just want to be like first in heaven or I just want to be at the end of the cap or, you know, I'm like, bro, it's unmerited. Grace is completely unmerited. There's nothing that you and I can boast about except in him. Here's what's crazy about that. The day that you and I gave our life to Jesus we believed grace was unmerited because we were so desperate. We were like, Jesus, I need you to save me. But then as we try to live out the Christian life, we distance ourselves further and further from grace and we start to believe that somehow we have merited it. You say, prove that to me. I've heard this a million times. I'm just trying to be a good Christian. What does that mean? Is there such thing as a bad Christian? According to grace, what you're saying is, I'm trying to still merit my favor with God. Listen, God doesn't need you to be a good Christian. He just needs you to be a Christian. He just wants to know that the grace of God has covered your sins and that you are forgiven and you're living your life surrendered to Jesus. So it's unmerited. It's unmerited. 
Isaiah 64 actually says this. It says that our attempt to be right with God, righteous, is like a filthy rag. So we give our life to Jesus and we believe that grace is unmerited, but the further we grow in our relationship, somehow this world tries to get us believe you can still earn merits. And God says the more you attempt to do that, your righteousness is like a filthy rag. You see, the truth of that is this. The best thing about me is still not even close to the worst thing about God because it's still my human attempt. And we're going to talk about that more next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the shame game and how God, through grace, has delivered us from the shame game. You know people living with shame in their life? Next week's going to be amazing. Number two, undeserved. The grace of God, according to Ephesians 2.89, is undeserved. We don't deserve it. Now, that's hard to say because in our American culture, we've been led to believe that we are entitled to God's grace. God owes me his grace. No, God doesn't owe you his grace. He wants to give you his grace. It's undeserved. Romans 3 Verse 23 and 24, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely. Everybody say freely. Freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are justified freely. It's undeserved. Have you ever tried to pay for something that's free? (laughs) Some of you go, I never, what kind of idiot pay for something that's free? Well, you know, a couple years ago, we were handing out free t-shirts at some of the football games. They were these spirit shirts and they were free. They had the school's logo on them and our name on the back and a few other names of some really cool businesses that partnered with us. And so we're handing these things out and people are like, oh, let me get my checkbook. Uh, uh, did my kid not pay for that at school? You know, I mean, people are trying to pay us. And literally we keep saying free t-shirt and people are still trying to pay us. And I think that's how some of us are living the Christian life. God said that it's so undeserved that he freely justified us by how? His grace. It's undeserved. He justified us freely. So we got to understand the word grace a little bit more. The word grace is the word charis. Is anyone here named charis? C-H-A-R-I-S. Some of you, that's a very popular baby name. A lot of people name their daughter charis. The only problem is in the original language, the C or the K is silent and it's actually the word haris. So in the Greek language, we say charis, that's grace, but it's really haris. And this idea of haris means that someone has unmeritedly favored something or someone. But here's the thing. It was a cultural word long before it was a biblical word. Back in this day in the culture, Here's what the word grace or haris meant. It was a benevolent gift given from a superior to an inferior. A superior to an inferior. When that would happen, when someone who was superior, who had the ability to do something for someone else who was inferior, when that transaction took place, they would say haris, grace. But here's the part we don't understand. In the culture... It was actually three people who were involved in grace. The first person providing the goods or providing the gift was called the patron. 
If you translate the language, the word we get from patron comes from this original word. And that meant that that person had the ability to supply all that that person needed. The person receiving the goods was called the client. It's where we get our word client. But there was another person in that transaction and they were called the broker. And the broker would go out, see the needs of the inferior, come back to the patron and see that the patron had superior ability to supply what the inferior needed and the broker would come and he would go pay for the goods himself and deliver them to the inferior. And they would say, when that happens, when those three people line up, that is haris. The patron provided it. The client received it. But the broker paid for it, listen, in full. Sound familiar? We were separated from God because of our sin. Jesus Christ, God himself, sent Jesus to be the broker between us and God. And when that transaction happened, it meant that we got something we never deserved. It's called haris, grace. He paid it in full. There's another word. It's the word unearned. Unearned. Romans 11.6 speaks to this. Listen to what Paul says. This is Paul speaking. And he says, if and by grace, then it cannot be based on works. Let's say it again. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Here's what Paul's saying to us. It's completely unearned. It's free. It can't be earned because God then would have to owe us something. It's free. And if it's free, it can't be earned. And if it's earned, it can't be free. He said that's the way grace is. It's kind of like this. Let's say someone goes out and buys you a birthday gift and they come to you and say, hey, that'll be $39.95. You go, my children have done that to me before, Right? Hey, Dad, here's your Father's Day gift. It was 20 bucks. I put it on your card. Love you. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) Some of you are laughing because you know what's happened to you. The truth is this. (laughs) You can't have it that way because if it's free, it's not earned. Grace is completely unearned. So if that's what grace is, God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, then what does grace do? Because I think a lot of people, they stop. And this is going to be the framework for the whole series. They stop at the idea that God has favored me. In fact, some of you, that's a new word for you because you're still living with the idea that grace means God tolerates me, like you tolerate Britney Spears, okay? God tolerates me. I'm just teasing. Some of you go, I love Britney Spears. I'm sorry. That just came out, okay? That was a coffee moment for me. The truth is this, God says, I want you to know what grace does in your life. What does grace do? If it's God's unmerited favor, then what does grace do? It divinely enables us. Look at verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are God's handiwork. Everybody say handiwork. All right, look at the person next to you and say, you're a piece of work. And that's why you're here today. (laughs) Handiwork. We're going to talk about that. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Listen, we are not saved by works. We are saved to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Everyone say advance. 
for us to do. Some of us have lived with the idea that grace came about because God had a slip in the system, let a snake in a garden, man sinned, screwed up the whole plan, and somehow God needed an exit strategy, thus entering grace. No, God tells us right here, we are God's handiwork. And I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance, advance for us to do. That word handiwork, it's the word poema, which where we get the word poem. And here's what Paul is saying. We are God's poem, which means God's hand is written. Grace is God's writing on our lives. We are God's poem being written by grace, divine enablement through Jesus, which he prepared in advance. So let me say it a little bit more English to you today, okay? God has a replacement plan to restore us back to the way he created us. It's called grace. Not repaired, not refurbished, but replaced. Let me say it again. God has a replacement plan to bring you and I back into the thing that he designed and created us to be, and it's called grace. Not repaired, not refurbished, but replaced. You see, our understanding and our inability to be restored sometimes in our life means we don't either understand grace or we're not operating in it. So I want to unpack that for you as we close today. I want to show you something. This Christmas, my father bought me a gift. This has meaning to me. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's just an Apple watch. It's nothing special. It's not gold-plated like my teeth. I'm sorry. It's not gold-plated or anything like that. Um, some of you go, he's got gold teeth. Um, yeah, it's called feelings. Um, <laughs> sorry. He bought me this gift, and on Christmas Day, he gave it to me. And it's special because it was, it was something my father wanted me to have. Between Christmas and the first of the year, um, I tried twice to go online to Apple and put something on these devices called Apple Care, and the system wouldn't let me do it. And I kept going, I'll do that later, I'll do that later. Because the truth is, if you break one of these and you don't have Apple Care, <laughs> grace of God can't help you. I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> sorry. He bought this for me. It's a gift. He intended something with it. He wanted me to be able to have this. And six days after he bought it for me, he left and he went back to Texas. And one morning I was changing one of the bands on it and, and I went to put it on like this and I was in my bathroom and we have tile floors and it slips out of my hands and falls flat on the tile like this. And I pick it up and it's just shattered. I mean shattered. I don't mean crack, I mean shattered. Glass shards are sticking out can't see the screen, nothing works. It's just broken. And I lost my breath. Not because the watch can't be replaced, because it was a gift. My father gave this to me. This is what my father intended for me to have. He wanted me to have a new watch. 
And the moment I picked it up, I was literally, I had to sit down. I was like, <gasps> I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And here's what he said, Sean, I'm about to do something that you're not gonna believe. I picked the watch up. I put it on my arm. It's all broken, gnarly. I get in my car. I'm on my way to get an allergy shot. Lord, thank you for allergists in Atlanta. And um, I called Apple. And first thing I thought is I'm gonna be on here for hours. And how do I explain this to them? I didn't have Apple Care. I tried, I didn't get it. Six days old, brand new gift. I knew what my father had intended for me. Guy answers the phone in two minutes. Probably less than two minutes, probably like a minute and a half. And I tell him my story and I thought, oh, here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna have mercy on me. He's gonna say, oh, oh, well, Mr. Smith, you know, since you didn't have Apple Care and since all this stuff didn't happen, blah, 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 uh, for, for $2.99, we're gonna send you a replacement. That would have been mercy. That's what I deserved. That's not what he said. He said, Mr. Smith, you just happened to get to the right person because I'm a senior customer services rep. And I'm really sorry for your loss because it was a gift. And I tell you what I'm gonna do, even though you didn't have Apple Care, even though you didn't have a replacement plan, I'm gonna replace this for you. He took down all my creds, all my information. Within two hours, I had an email. Within two days, a box arrives at my door. And inside this box, there was a piece of paper. And you know what it didn't say? It didn't say repaired. It didn't say refurbished. It said two words, replaced, new. And the Lord said, Sean, I don't want you to ever forget this day because if Apple can be that good to you, just think what I can do. See, how crazy would it be if I wear this watch around and I walk up to you and say, hey man, I had one of these watches and it was broken. Look how my watch was broken here, 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 and here. Like, look, my, my watch, guys, it's new. It's new. And here's why we gotta get this. Grace has the power to replace. God says in verse 10, you are my handiwork. And through Jesus, I am writing grace into your life because I prepared you for good works. I wanna do something divine in you because what I created you for was not a refurbished life, but a replaced life new. And it would be stupid for me to walk around and talk about how broken my watch is. It's not broke, it's new. It's my life. April 5th, 1987, Jesus Christ came into my life and he didn't say, I'm gonna refurbish you, Sean. I'm gonna repair you. And now you're gonna use all your brokenness to try to figure out how good my grace is. No, he says, you are new in Jesus. I often wonder sometimes when we ask God, God, would you give me grace? If he's not saying, why do you keep asking me for things I've already given you? God had a replacement plan. 
It's called grace. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's completely unmerited. Completely. You know, if you look up the word amazing in the dictionary, one of the phrases for amazing says this. It's too good to be true. It says it this way. So good in a way that it's difficult to believe. That's why grace is so amazing. God says, I want to pour out my grace on you. I don't want to tolerate you. I want to favor you. Would you pray with me today? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.